Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. What's up, y'all? Kofi Kingston here, and I would love to have a drink with Wrestling on the Rocks, depending on what that drink is, preferably non-alcoholic, you know? How's it going? I'm the Celtic Warrior, Seamus. Wardlow here. Soda. I would love to have a drink with Wrestling on the Rocks. I would love to have a drink with Wrestling on the Rocks. Maple syrup. I would never have a drink with wrestling on the rocks. I'm gonna refill my glass real quick here. Uh, I've got to thank our bartender. Uh, <clears throat> good lord, I'm having a night. I promise you. <laughs> Fans first sports network. You know they're keeping the lights on. They're technically refilling my drink. You know, hats off yeah. to them. Uh, sponsored, not sponsored, as we say here on the Chaser. Uh, so new topic, something I've been kind of mulling over, you know, I hate social media, uh, yeah. but Taz went on a little bit of a, a kick recently. Now he no longer does, uh, his whole podcast. He does justice commentary with AEW, but he went on a whole thing about what it means to be over. What is the litmus? What is the real litmus test in his mind? Um, and we'll start on that because he went all over the place. Um, it was his thing that the, uh, and I agree with this, that the TV metrics don't mean you're over. It's the crowd that tells you you're over. Uh, from your perspective, I mean, you're learning the business at the ground up. Where, What do you think about that? There isn't a truer statement. It's the crowd. You know you're over if the crowd. You can be on TV. You can be somebody who was called up to TV before you were ready. You're not. doesn't mean you're over. It just means you were scouted and maybe not, may not have been the right time. Yeah, but who's, I, who's to say? 
And I think you have to listen to the crowd. That's the whole point. That, that's what that's what you strive for. That's what that's what they feed off of. That's what the wrestlers, that's what the managers feed off of. They feed off of the crowd. They want that reaction from the crowd. They're, that's what they're going for. With every word they say, there is meaning behind it, whether they want the boo or the cheer. You want people to either hate you, really hate you, really want to like come after you. Like even after the shows, like how it used to be, like when you were when when Cornette you know, used to carry were, a gun. Yeah, corn. Yeah, guys like Cornette, they were they were worried for their lives. But I mean, he had the Midnight Express, so yeah. When they went heel, he had to like he was ready to go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I I agree with that. You know, John Cena said it once when he was uh, he was facing Roman Reigns a few years ago. He was like. You know, love me or hate me, but it, the fact of the matter is, they're the key. You know, and, and the worst thing you can have from the fans is indifference. You know, and I, I think that's true because, you know, I've seen a lot of TV stuff and I've watched people's careers fall. You know, that it was not that the TV rating, the demographics, which I fucking hate hearing, you know, because. Watching TV, it's especially a lot of the, the base fans, you know, they're going to watch it. They're going to do the three hours. They're going to do the two hours. And they're going to want to see one guy. But they're going to watch the whole show to wait to see it. You know, it's like the episode that had CM Punk back. You know, people sat three hours for like a five-minute promo. You know, were they into all the other matches? You could tell by the audience. Yeah, you can tell when they're hot, Mike. If you just pay attention for five seconds, you know, like the women's squash match, dead silence. And it's not that the wrestling ring, like the wrestling, was great for the most part, but nobody was invested. There was no reason for this match except for, well, we want to be contenders, and that's great. But if there's nothing backing it, nobody cares. There's no investment. Um. Yeah, that make it make of, sense. Yeah, make it make sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the saying. I hear it all the time. Make it make sense. If it doesn't make sense, don't do it. Yeah, because nobody's going to pay attention. Um, like, even in long-term booking, I'm, you know, like, because you've seen it six months. Have you seen long-term booking at MCW? Yes. They very much so focus on their long-term booking. In fact, we have some stories that are about to close up at the end of the year on they oh the one thing that i like is that they Mm -hmm. do year-long stories and they close them up on their last show to have a fresh start the next year i like that it's you know you don't see i i want to say you don't really see that a lot with indie shows you don't really because you get a lot of top talent that do like one-offs with most indie promotions they're just putting a show together together to make to make money that's what they're doing they're not doing it because you know, they want to tell a story. I, that's what one thing I've really enjoyed about MCW is it truly is, you know, it they really truly try to book a show that makes sense. Make it make sense. You've got the best people putting it putting the shows together. You, you yeah. know, they're just it's just a great process to to see and to see how these stories are progressing. It's great to see, and a lot of great stuff is gonna, you know. Come out, from come there. to an end at the, by uh, just on December 30th for their final show 
of uh, 2023. Yeah, because they're going to go, you know, into a fresh year, much like a WrestleMania, you know, much like a uh, an all-in sort of thing. It's that reset point. And yeah. it makes a lot of sense because you, you look at good booking, that's a long-term storytelling point. That way, that's where you tell where you have a good promotion. Because I think that if you're one-offing a you know a major talent, they need to take DL to your top talent to bring them to that next level. But I think at the same juncture, you know, as the veteran, as the person successful in the business, making serious money, that you know they need to have a say in it too. Yeah, and I want to bounce back off that talking about having top talent put over. Um, the, the stars over mm. this actually happened back in June for the Shane Shamrock Cup. It was the finals, it was they did a uh pin, it was a pinfall elimination for the last round of it. Mm. There was six guys in the match, it came down to Miami Mike, who I who we talked about earlier, and Mike Bailey. Uh, and they, those two Mike hit Bailey. each other hard, and Mike Bailey. And my, my, you know, Mike Bailey really gave it everything he got, but Miami Mike walked away with the victory. Yeah, he made it, he made it look good. You know, it wasn't just the poke of doom, or I pulled the quad just stepping in the ring. <laughs> yeah, no, this was a top tier, you know, finish to the match. It was absolutely incredible. And then Miami Mike won the Shane Shamrock Cup. And it made it look good. And that I bet you that, and, and I don't know, I'm going to take a guess because this was another subject that kind of brought in by Taz that everybody who was there looking to make this a career, to make this, you know, bigger than themselves, they were picking his brain left and right, much like they do everybody else. Yeah. Uh, but I, I get it, you know, because Taz went on to say, you know, it, it's not the same as it used to be. I mean, yeah, introductions are good. You know, that's definitely something you want to do, but not everybody necessarily is, you know, going to ask a talent. You know, not everybody's going to walk up to The Undertaker for, you know, lessons, this and that. Uh, is that, do you see more so from your position of, you know, any big game that comes in, everybody kind of gang piles? Or is it more like certain guys know where they are and know their place? Everybody seems definitely seems to know their place. But the, a lot of the top talent that come into MCW, almost pretty much all of them, they are mm -hmm. so giving. That's what I like about it. MCW is truly like a family when it comes backstage. It truly right. is. And that, that's why I kick over and we keep talking about MCW. It's not so much that we're putting into the show, but we are putting over what they're doing because they're a great company. Uh, your experiences, you know, as a person, as somebody coming into this, because if I, as I recall, you were going to go for actual in-ring talent at one point, but you could, you got injured. That is true. Uh, I was supposed to go in as an in-ring talent and then, I got hurt a few times. Yeah. And I just said, you know what? <laughs> Even the doctor was like, you're never going to compete in the ring. You're going to end up in a wheelchair. And I'm like, I still wanted to force it anyways. I was working out every day. I was getting the best shape of my life. And, you know, I was like, and then I realized, you know, commentary really is where I need to be. I do have when it like what I'm learning to have even more. So every day, every time I get on the mic 
and do commentary, the gift of gab. I, you know, learning, you know, getting better at it. It's just something like the first night, everybody, you, when I did uh, Dickie's Outlandish Paradise, you guys yeah. were like, wow, that was a great start. You know, that was good for, you know, someone who's never done anything like that before. It was a totally a last minute thing. I did notes. And I never stopped doing that. I do notes for every show. I never, I mean, they've definitely progressed how I put, how I format my notes. And sometimes I've, when I'm doing notes, this is a little bit of insider, mm. but this is just, it, you know, it's inside you, not inside, inside me. No, it's inside me and how it, how it is as a wrestling commentator. When you're doing your notes, I, for me personally, I have to, when I'm, feeling it it depends on how i'm feeling what style i feel i need because mm. around the springtime like may i was really doing a lot of written like a lot of like written paragraphs of things that i wanted to bring up and just writing the entire storylines of like what led to this match happening and i you know, and that's something that was important to especially with big feuds like lesnar and cody at the time that was something that was huge and that that was important but more you know I try to keep it simple now, especially, it, you know, I don't want to over, you know, do too much, too much writing because then it'll, right. you know, really catch me off guard. I try to keep it simple. The two people who are in the match, you know, that what their moniker is, their signature moves or signature move and their finisher. And keep, it sim- keep it simple. Taz went the same way and, you know, he kind of, uh, again, he he went on a lot. Like this was the biggest rant I've ever seen him make. You know, yeah. he went the same way. He got injured too much to where he went commentary, and then he stayed commentary. And he does a great job being. Yeah, absolutely. Taz yeah. is great. I love I love Taz as a as a commentator. He's he truly has it. Even you yeah. know, two thousand SmackDown. He made two thousand SmackDown what it was. His voice. Just it gives me the good vibes of what to what the you know early mid two thousand SmackDown was with the SmackDown fist and everything with the huge fist on the the display and everything. Oh yeah, and it, it shows like yeah, the in ring talent to transfer over tend to be in my mind um, more adept at it because they know. They've been there. They know how to work. They know who's working. Uh, and that, that I think is a big difference. And, you know, you walked in knowing you needed preparation. You weren't sure how you figured it out. Uh, and how's that? Like, if you were to tell somebody, you know, knowing what you know now, what is the biggest piece of advice is that you would give them? Keep going. Keep Keep going. going. Even when the odds are stacked against you, when you feel you want to quit, when you feel you're at your lowest, keep going. If you need to take a break, take one. I found that out the hard way, getting burnt out. Like I I pushed myself further than I ever did, streaming five times, doing commentary five times a week at the highest level. Like even my voice now. It it is the way that it is because of dynamite last night. It is the way that it is <laughs> because you know you just got you know that's what one thing when you feel it you gotta feel it. If you don't feel it, 
and you're not in it as a commentator. You have to feel it because if you're faking it, if you're faking the emotions, the audience is not stupid. The audience is very smart and they know when you're not telling them the truth. They want to be told the truth. They want to feel what you're feeling. That's the important, you know, when you're watching the television, the television programs, you're listening to the commentators calling the matches. Otherwise, the matches, you know, the matches, you can have a great match, but it's not, you know, as exciting as it could be with, you know, without a voice, voice of wrestling, somebody who is interested in the match, calling everything so that you can learn about what's going on. And that's really how you learn as a wrestling fan is, listening to the commentary while you're watching it because then you learn the moves and they're just there's so many incredible moments that have been created on commentary it's just and it's fun it just i just find it fun it just happened to fall into my lap and i and anybody who would want to pursue to be a commentator i just i gotta say if you have it if you feel you got it and you feel that this is what you want to do do it just do what you know do some tape studying watch and listen to Gordon Sully and watch some old championship wrestling from Florida. That's my way of doing That's my way of doing it. Listen, listen to what they're saying and look at what the wrestlers are doing. Cause you may learn some new things about what they're calling a certain move or what they are calling at a certain time. Some things that they're saying, the tone of their voice. There are so many different things to take away, but at the end of the day, it's all about finding your own voice because you can imitate anybody. But then they would just want to go listen to that commentator. Give them a reason to want to listen to you. And that was some advice that was actually given to me more recently. Yeah, it's like uh, my favorite uh, my favorite commentator of all time is Joey Styles. Yeah, we've talked uh, about him before. Yeah, he, he one-man chaired everything. And the thing he's known for was the, oh, my God. Like, that was kind of his signature but it emphasized when he did it, there was something significant going on that was just over the top. And to put it over, like, yeah, it was crazy. I've been to a show, you know, way back when. Styles made it the reason that everything was so good. I And, like, even Gordon uh, Heenan. Heenan, even in a monotone, but when it was that big point, he went in. Yeah. Absolutely. A lot of Heenan's career as a commentator, it was local. It was like, you know, maybe the local casting at best. You know, and it goes back to the, you know, well, the TV metrics. I'm like, nobody cares about the TV metrics. It's great that, you know, it's there to make your TV audience or your internet audience, you know, kick over. But, like, I think the crowd is the barometric to go with. You yeah, know, absolutely. And I think also, like, after you've done a review and, you know, you've watched a few tapes of yourself, uh, this was the advice I was given to do the show, uh, was take it, video, just take a random subject, just record yourself doing it, and then go back, look at your recording, look at somebody who does it the way you want to do it, and then try it their way and once you feel good about it and get your own style then go do something with it like in the terms of commentary i'd say go to your independent promotions you know give them a video that you're proud of and let them see it and you know they might you know give you a handshake and a hot dog but 
you know, when you can say, I did X promotion for this much, and then you can take that up and up and up. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's always, there's just so many different ways to learn to get better. And that's just something that's just even just life, life yeah. lessons. Just if you want to learn something, just go for it. You know, listen to yourself. If you're especially in this industry, listen to yourself back. See what you know, watch your stuff back, see what you can do to get better. Especially have somebody with you that that can uh help you. Have somebody who is well trained, you know, somebody who is well known, who can, you know, cr maybe critique it, who is willing to critique the match and telling you what you can do better. Because there are a lot of, you know, veterans in the wrestling business who want to help younger talent. Who just and, want to do it just just to do it because they enjoy it. They love this sport. That's why they did it for as long as they did. That's why they're still involved. You know, even if they're just, you know, want retired and watching as a fan at this point. Yeah. And they're they're looking at TV, and I guarantee you, because Cornette, you know, for what he is as a historian, great respect. I think everything else is a little much, but you know, if you listen to stuff that he did as a manager, as he's done as a commentator, as, you know, some faux executive, he he knows the, the inflection. You have to show it. And every commentator that did with uh, Smoky Mountain, uh, that was their thing. He, he made sure they knew because he did it before. He's been there forever. You know, he's been in the business since he was real young. Yeah, he started off as a photographer and worked his way into managing. Just like Heyman. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess you could say kind of like what I'm doing, too. Mm -hmm. something, something like that. Uh, I, well, I am being that, trained to be a manager. I will, I, will say, I will say that much. And I do. I'm also the one who films the uh, shows uh, currently. I help film. I'm one of the, the filmers when they have their shows and now to bring a counterpoint because there was a counterpoint address that was very interesting about who it came from uh looking over it was brought to my attention by uh on x twitter whatever you want to call it um but why Alyssa? uh that tully blanchard had specific points on this topic because I guess it's going making the rounds. He said that um, this is what he would give Tony Khan and the wrestlers of AEW. No talent asked no talent asked him or Arn for advice. And Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson are legends in the business. Yeah. Part of the greatest like, faction of all time. Arn Anderson to this day, made the spine buster a devastating move. Absolutely. Uh, he said that he had limited association with other talent, but as a surprise, CM Punk showed him a lot of respect, which I get. It makes sense. Um, now, as an aside, he says he does not know what the elite do as EVPs. And I think there needs to, like, your talent should either be talent or backstage. You're either mm -hmm. producing, managing, in the ring, or in the back. Absolutely. You know, can't, I, have it both, can't have it both ways. And that, 
exactly. You can't have it both ways. And there, there's something to be said for that. And Taz kind of touched on that too. They, they do something like they do things, but this is just the promoter, Tony Khan, the guy who writes the checks wants to keep it that way, wants it to be that way. And, you know, you can't necessarily say you like it. If you don't like it, don't watch. Absolutely. That's a lost art. Like the, the art of, you know, being able to say no, recognizing your value, but also being respectful enough that if you want to get to that next level, I personally, were I a talent, I would try to live at Arn Anderson's house. I would be at his front porch every day. Yeah. Because him, his brother, the four horsemen, were over for decades. Like, yeah. decades. <laughs> You know, and that's huge. It's almost like William William Regal. I would, I would go to. I follow that man anywhere. Yeah, he was in AEW for for like what six months, and no one took advantage of that. I mean, he did his ring in ring sessions with you know yeah. before the shows, and there were some that got to take I, advantage of that. But that's somebody who you want to pick their brain. That if there's somebody whose brain you should be picking. In terms of technical skills, it's William Regal. And I think even on the basis of promo skills, because he was a heel across multiple companies and considered the best. He was the gentleman villain. Yeah. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, you can tell MJF definitely picked his brain. Yeah. You know. And that became an on-screen thing to where now everybody loves him. I, you know, whatever. I, I heard the phrase once and I don't remember it, but I know I loved it. Like, that's over. I don't remember what he said on this particular XY event, but damned if I wasn't watching it. You know, and mm -hmm. the crowd, every time, it's like, love him or hate him, CM Punk gets a reaction. Absolutely. I mean, he brought in a lot of eyes. I mean, it's WWE's most liked post on, on X. It's insane. You know, comparatively to his debut in AEW to his, you know, to his return to WWE, it's just, it's just a different fan base. Both were great. Don't get me wrong. Both were absolutely great. And he had a great, you know, a great stint in AEW and, would I have loved to have seen more? Absolutely. But I think now there's a great opportunity, a lot of great opportunities for him in WWE. And it was it just crazy. You got the return of Randy Orton and CM Punk in the same night blowing off the roof of the Allstate Arena in Chicago. Or Rosemont, rather. Yeah, it it was a big thing. It was getting eyes on the product because the fans knew. It's like LA night. It's the crowd will always go L.A. night. Yeah. You know, he's over. Yeah. You don't you can't just you can't buy that. You can't yeah. buy what L.A. night has. He it's like Stone Cold fought. Steve Austin, you know. Yeah. They, all it took was the glass broke and you knew. Sorry, I, I 
I apologize. I interrupted you. No, Carry you're on. good. You're good. Absolutely. No, you're all good. I know you had to bounce off of that too with a glass breaking CM Punk static. Edge, Adam Copeland's You Think You Know Me. Am um, I missing one? The Rock. The Rock. If you smell what The Rock no, is cooking, that cooking. one too. It's just, you know, and then you're going to hear a loud pop right after that. Everybody loses their shit. The audience tells the TV audience, this is a bad, this is what you want. Yeah. Like that static, that was a deaf at Survivor Series, absolutely deafening. Oh, I was and I was still it. messing with my audio at the time, so I couldn't really fully hear it. I had to keep my audio low because I was still messing with settings. So I didn't pick up the static, but I heard the music and I'm like, wow, all of a sudden the new version of Cults of Personality. It's just crazy how everything came together with that. The remastered version of Cult of Personality. Boom, 24 hours later. Yeah. CM Punk returns to WWE. No, like, and it's crazy because everybody was like, he's going to be there. He's going to be there. He's going to be there. The last, the day of the 24 hours, the 24 hours, everybody's like, he's not showing up. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Because everybody waited so, everybody waited so long. And everybody was, you know, it took the time. There was so much time that passed that everybody's, started to lose hope even though it was they already knew this time was passing to begin with it was just a matter of and even i like at the end of the show i wasn't sure i was just can i was about to be content with orton returning and i i just enjoying the show you know calling you know calling what i see and then all of a sudden bam the static yep multi personality hit and there he is well, and I've seen a similar reaction from two individuals, well, three at Impact. Might not be the larger audience, but one of the people that's backstage uh, at WWE's Abyss. Yeah. Uh, and he's kicking ass. You have uh, Rosemary, Havoc, uh, Sue Young, Mickey James, just. Uh, all of those people, you hear the crowd go, no matter what. They start roaring, they start booing, they start cheering. And that, I think, translates better. And But I think the metrics are shit. I mean, especially in an online capacity. The If you went back, maybe, I think, to the late 90s to maybe 2010, I think the metrics meant something. Uh, mm-hmm. In terms of, we can say... Between this time and this time, these advertisers go here, here, and here. But I don't yeah. think that matters now. You know, the internet changed the game. Absolutely. Like, I was watching uh, one promotions, um, something out of the West Coast, uh, just recently on YouTube. I get to watch an entire show without having to have all that. Did it pay them well? No. Did they get some revenue off of YouTube? But how do you measure that metric? Do you measure it by the views? But you, you can't really translate that in the same way you could maybe back in the late 90s. Yeah. Everybody's just so focused on viewership and everything. It's just, and it's just also, you know, the company who's focusing on it, you know, when you're, mm-hmm. when you're the head of a company and you're focusing on it, I mean, and it's, and that's important for him, you know, that's important for the companies to look at that because, 
that's what you know it keeps you going you want to get better you want to see your your viewers going up but you also don't want to dwell, oh, dwell on that too much because then you're forgetting about what you're doing your purpose you know you're doing a professional wrestling show you want fans to love want fans to enjoy so that they tune in the following week or the next for for the next show and the next day or two and then another show the following night do you think merch plays uh, a part in getting over and sort of a metric yeah i think it definitely leads i think getting over leads to increase in merch sales like, like LA Knight, LA Knight, he is what he's done in the past year from going from a uh, supermodel manager to manager. being who he is, you know, going, you know, Max Dupree to, to back to LA Knight. It's incredible. He fought, he fought booking, he, he fought how he was booked and. He made it work and he grew as a talent and we're getting to see him shine. How, you know, how I, how we saw him on the Indies as Eli Drake. Oh, and at impact where he was a mainstay for a while too. Yeah. I, I always say your, your favorite, all your favorites come from impact. Yeah. That's where I was first exposed to him was impact. Eli Drake was badass. Yeah. It was early when he first got there. I want to say when I started watching. It was, it was very, like, I think he had just gotten there when I started watching. Because I remember yeah. when Nick Aldis was was Magnus at the time, watching, yeah. T, watching and, TNA. And then he went to NWA, and now he's backstage talent. He, I know yeah. he wants to wrestle again. It just ain't happening. Nick Aldis may, you know. Nick Aldis may wrestle Adam Pierce. You never know. You could, I would, I would pay to see that. Just saying, yeah. Just saying, two former NWA heavyweight champions going at it. They're both general managers of the opposite brand. This is actually one of those times where they could have a match, a general manager have a match, and it would be like a solid match. Both incredible, We're, incredible performers in the ring. I mean, with Nick yeah. Aldis having you know a more recent match than Adam Pierce, but even still. That? Scrap Daddy Adam Pierce. That yeah, was his, his gimmick. Like he was in ring talent for a while and got injured, and then just kind of went to the on-screen role because he has a good presence. Yeah, he does great. He's been doing a great job as the general manager. Even you know when he was doing it for both shows, and then now it's Raw and Nick Aldis was brought in for SmackDown. I think that was a great thing because I really like I watching. Just from like a fan perspective, if I'm just looking at it from a fan perspective, I'm like, this is great. Like Nick Aldis is bringing it like, and he has a solid presence. He has a really good presence. Somebody, you know, who it people respect it, people respect him and he, you know, puts his foot down and he makes people, res you know, he gives people a reason to respect him because he's not letting them step on, on his toes. Like he's got that ability. And as he a general manager, it. he gets a pop for being a general manager. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that doesn't translate so much to TV because you only hear but so much of the crowd reaction when he goes up because he's got to say something. It's got to be relayed. But you can tell by the crowd he's, he's in. Yeah, like, absolutely. 
So. Took an RKO from Wharton last Friday. Yep. Yep. Ah. Totally worth it, too. <laughs> yeah. Saw that one coming. Producer Lady here. Thanks for tuning in. Continue to support and buy us a drink by putting the I in subscribe and reviewing our podcast. And cheers to Fans First Sports Network for keeping the dive bar lights on. I would never have a drink with wrestling on the rocks.